Praise God. Some of y'all, some of y'all have been with us the last couple of months. Some of you may not be familiar and you're thinking, why did he just play the who? Well, I had, I have my reasons. We, we spent some time in here over the last about a year and a half on nine things that you need to know to live in this world. And they were one of those things. Number eight of those nine things was to know your identity, to know who you are in Christ. And as we were wrapping up that series, I've shared this in here before. I'll share it again. It's my service. I've got the microphone, so I'll share it if I want to. <laughs> I was, I was at a, uh, I was at a concert one night with a with a band, and they played they played a good set off of their first album that was out. And then they're like, "You mind if we do some worship tunes?" And I was like, "I of course I'm like, yeah, go for it." He's like, and uh, the lead singer's like. That's good, because we have the microphones and we were going to do it anyway. <laughs> so, I'll just, I'll go over this a little bit. As we got done with that series, as we got done with nine things that you need to know to live in this world, I was praying and I said, Lord, what do I need to share next? Because I had spent some time in these services. Uh, we had spent some time going through specific books of the Bible. I preached my way through Romans. I preached my way through Ephesians. And we'd done some things like that. But because of the way our services go in here and in the uh, in the men's facilities that we minister in, we don't always have the same people in our services every month. So I didn't want to I didn't want to keep preaching series that you needed to be here for all the parts for it to make sense. I said, Lord, I need these I need these messages to really stand by themselves. Yes, we may build on something we've shared previously, but I need every time they every time somebody comes into one of our services, I need them to be able to get something out of it and get something from the word of God. So, I began to pray and I said, "Lord, what do I need to share next?" And you know how it goes. Sometimes you get a song or just a piece of a song stuck in your head and it'll just keep going around and around in a loop. And the song that got stuck in my head was, Who Are You? And it just kept going round and round in my head. And I'm thinking, okay, yes, Lord, I need to know who you are. And the Lord said, yeah, but you need to know who you are. And I said, okay, who am I? And within just moments, I started started writing down things that just came to my mind. It's like, I am this, I am this, the things that the Word says. It's easy for us to define ourselves by by physical things, by things that we see around us. But this isn't what I was talking about. This is what does the word of God say that I am? And so I began to go through those things. And over the last couple of months, we started this. We started off on our Easter service talking about the fact that because Jesus is alive, now we are alive. We've been made alive in him. We spent some time last month talking about being the children of God. Being children of God and not just, not just baby children, although we do have that relationship with our Father, but being mature children, people that God can entrust with His interests. And so we spent some time on that last month. Now, I was getting ready to come in here tonight. And I had a friend of mine say, well, where are, you, where are you going? What are you doing? I said, well, we're getting ready to do the thing that I love to do the most. And that's sing and preach the word. 
This is, this is what I live for. This is what I love to do. Now, this particular girl is not a believer to my knowledge, and she says, well, just don't preach to me. I said, well, that's fine. But y'all are here, y'all are in my service, and you're going to get preached to. <laughs> so, so go ahead and open the Bible, because if, if I'm going to preach anything, it's going to come from the Word. Amen. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Some of y'all know some things that we're going to get into in this. Ephesians chapter 1 is just full of those things that it says that we are in Him. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank You for Your Word. I thank You once again for this opportunity to minister to Your people. I pray that as I speak tonight, that it wouldn't be my words spoken, but that they would hear from Your Spirit, Lord. Speak through my mouth. And let every ear be open and attentive to hear from You. Because we desire to know who we are in you. We honor you for it. We praise you in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Now. Need my water. Try to do this. Try to do this one-handed. This is why I tend to prefer either the ear-worn or the clip-on, but I can handle a handheld. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Melanie said one night I uh, opened my bottle three or four times and closed it without ever taking a drink out of it. So if I open my bottle and don't drink out of it, that's why. <laughs> Praise God. Ephesians chapter 1. We're just going to start at the top of this and see how far we get. Because I, I, I started reading in there and I was like, oh, this is all so good. I've preached it before, but I love it. This is one of my favorite passages in the book. Okay, let's start with 1-1. One, one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. I could take off right there and preach. <laughs> An apostle by the will of God. The people that The people that come in. The people that open the book, the people that come in here to minister the word of God to you, if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, we didn't do it because we just woke up one day and decided, oh, this is what I want to do with my life. I said it as a, as a small child because there are two ministers that I have learned more than any, more from than any other minister, and one of them is my dad. So I grew up with this, and so I said it when I was a little kid, but I didn't really know what I was doing until I got to be an adult. And I realized the reason I said that as a kid is because I already recognized that I'm doing this not because, not because I just decided it would be a good thing to do, but because this is what God had planned for me. So, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. So he was talking to a specific group, but this is to us too. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have been put in the book if it wasn't for us as well. Grace to you. Oh, I had, I had one minister that the series was advertised that we were going to go on a verse by verse trip through Philippians in that case. And I got there the first night, and he started in, like, verse 14 or something. Skipped the first 13 verses. 
these these things are big. Paul what, Paul didn't just say this to take up space. This wasn't just a greeting, but he said this to each each church that he wrote to. He says, grace to you. That word grace is so big. That is the unmerited favor of God to us. It is, as one minister put it, God's super on your natural. This is, this is when God gets himself involved in your business. That his grace, his supernatural favor, unearned, unmerited, we couldn't do anything to earn it. It only came because of the grace of Jesus Christ. It only came because of the love of God. But his grace to us is his supernatural empowerment for us to do the things that he has called us to do. And so he says, grace to you and peace. That word peace doesn't mean, well, it doesn't mean absence of conflict because Jesus said, I've quoted this one in here repeatedly, John 16, 33, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Amplified there says, I have deprived this world of its power to harm you. So that peace is not an absence of conflict because in this world, you're going to have conflict. This is why in the same book, he gets over to chapter six. We're not going there tonight, but he gets over to chapter six and he starts talking about spiritual warfare, that conflict that we have between us and our enemy. We have an enemy. We have a great enemy, but we have a greater savior. And because he is in us, because he is in us, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And because he has overcome the world, we'll get into this more in a later session, because he has overcome the world, we have overcome the world. So grace to you and peace. But that peace here is the Hebrew term shalom, which means nothing missing and nothing broken. It means completeness in every area of your life. If there is something in your life that is twisted, that is distorted, that does not line up with the word of God, then you don't have peace in that area. And I don't say that, I don't say that to condemn anyone because I've got those areas too. I've got those areas that I can look at in my life and say, Lord, I know this isn't what you have planned. I can look at situations in my life and say, Lord, I know your word says that it's supposed to be this way. I see it going this way. What do I need to change? Because I know I know, I heard this from a great man of God. If there is a problem, if there is a discrepancy in my life between what this book says and what I see in my life, the problem is not in the book. The problem is in my life. And I say, what, Lord, do I need to do? This is part of what I was thinking at 3 a.m. when I posted that. I had a had a Facebook post that Melanie looked at me a little bit strangely after the fact because one of the things I what I well all I said in that particular post was what do I need to do differently because that was that was my thought process okay Lord I see this area is not right what do I need to do to take it from here to here (laughs) so if you see an area in your life that you're not at peace that something is missing something is broken 
I don't say that, again, as condemnation. But if you see an area in your life where something is missing, something is broken, you take it to the Lord. You say, Lord, you're my provider. You are my peace. You are Jehovah Shalom, God my peace. And I thank you that you bring peace and perfection into this area of my life. So grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, watch the verb tense here, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Yes. Verb tenses are vital in the Bible. This, that means that his blessing, his provision on you is a done deal. This was completed by Jesus Christ at the cross. Goodness. 16 years ago now, September 11th, 2001, a major catastrophe happened. And there was a, there was a shift in the nation. People pivoted toward God, at least momentarily. Now, we, we won't go into, we won't go into what happened, you know, just days later. The pivot didn't seem to last all that long. But, one thing that I kept hearing over and over and over, the, the song of the moment, rather than singing, rather than singing our national anthem, people were singing, God bless America. And I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. I understand the, the concept here of God bless America, but I posted it on my Facebook a while back. I, I'm constantly doing these things. And I, I put up a, I put up a picture on my Facebook that says, God is not going to bless you. Amen. I just left it there. And I was like, well, I, I thought about just leaving it there and making people dig it out for themselves. But I thought, no, because people don't generally dig for themselves. So I'm like, so I thought, okay, okay. I'll at least give you the reference. I'm going to make you crack open your Bible and find the reference, but I'll at least give you the reference. So I said, so my, my banner on there says, God is not going to bless you. And then it says Ephesians 1 3. <laughs> and if you get over to Ephesians 1 3, you see what we just saw that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just as he chose us in him, Jesus says to his disciples, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you. We're here. You came to know Jesus because he chose you before the foundation of the world. Now, The Word of God tells us that Jesus Christ died for every man. And He gave us, He gave us a decision to make. He gave us that opportunity. But it says here that here's what happened. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Why did He choose us? What was His plan for us? What was His plan for each and every person? Whether they know Jesus today or not. This was his plan, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, I said this, Melanie and I were talking about these things on the way to this service tonight. And I had something hit me that that I'm going to have to study out. It's going to be a later message in this series, but I'll just give you a little bit of a teaser for it now. That, and we've talked about this before, that God is love. We, we look at all these other attributes and they all boil down to, they all come out of the fact that He is love. 
Which is why, as I said previously, you cannot be hateful and holy at the same time because God is love and God is holy. So you cannot be hateful and holy at the same time. But here's, here's what hit me on, on our way. God is love. Now, we are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Christ on this earth. As we will see over in Colossians and, uh, and things as we move on in this, we are one with Him. So, you and I are the expression of God's love on this planet. This is our calling. This is our mission. I, I borrowed a line. Some of y'all get a kick out of this. I borrowed a line from Kid Rock. <laughs> And I was listening to listening to some Kid Rock the other night, and what, a line just hit me in one of his songs. He says, "Get in the pit and try to love someone." So, so here's so here's what I'm here's what I'm getting at. The world is a pit. We're the, the, this place is a mess. If people that don't know Jesus, it's a mess. So here's 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 the thing. We don't just we don't just live separate from that and. Oh, we're, we're just gonna, we're just gonna be this little segregated bunch until Jesus comes to take us out of here. No. Jesus was in among the people. He was getting his hands dirty. This is why he was known as a friend of sinners. This is why I hang out with some of the people I hang out with. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, you need to get in, you need to get into this and show the love of God to the people around you. Now, let's move on. I brought that extra bottle. I'm probably going to need it. Oh, praise God. So, this he chose us so that we would be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons. Now, we talked about that last month. Being being the children of God, being the sons of God, being both technon, which is the which is the biological children, but not necessarily mature heirs. They're children. But then going from that to being the sons of God that, again, as I said, that he can, he can entrust his interests to. So he's predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us, so here's something that we are, we are accepted in the beloved. People around you have rejected you. They've called you, they've called you every name in the book and some that you didn't know existed. But Jesus, Jesus came as redemption for you. And your father calls you accepted in the beloved. Your father looks at you and says, I've chosen that one. They're mine. When you get a hold of that, when you get a hold of that, then the enemy comes against you and tries to throw your past at you. And you just look at him and says, I've been chosen. I am a, I am a marked person. I am, a, I am a marked man. You are marked women. We have been chosen by our father. We have been accepted in the beloved. In him. We have redemption 
through his blood. We've been purchased. We were in the pit. Psalm 40. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and he heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon the rock and he made my footsteps firm. So when we were in the pit, he brought us up out of the pit. Now, having brought us out of the pit, having set our feet upon the rock, then he calls us to go back into the pit. Not, not as not because we've been thrown into it, not because we're stuck there, but because now it's our job to pull more people out. It's our job to get in the pit and start pulling people out. (laughs) Amen. In Him, we have redemption. We have been purchased by His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. His grace which He made to abound to us. Abound is a big word. We talk about abundant life. I've quoted this verse in here dozens if not hundreds of times. I'm going to do it again. John 10.10 Jesus says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come, He says, that they might have and enjoy life in abundance to the full until it overflows. He made His grace abound to us. He didn't give us... Think about this. God is so... He's so big. He's so huge that just one drop of Jesus' blood would have been enough. But He poured it all out. He didn't, he didn't, keep, he didn't leave any of it behind. He poured out all His blood. That's why we sang that tonight. One drop would have been enough. But God made His grace abound to us. Over in Romans, it talks about His love being shed abroad in our hearts. I've talked about this before, but it bears repeating that this is the love of God being poured out in us to overflowing without regard for our capacity to receive it. This is, we're here with a 50-gallon drum and He's got the fire hose. And he turns that fire hose on. And it may take a little bit. It may take a couple of minutes to fill up that 50-gallon drum. But then he keeps pouring. And it's overflowing. And really, really, ladies, this is what's going to bring people up out of that pit. Is when the love of God is overflowing from your heart. We're supposed to, we're to minister to others out of the overflow that God has given us. I've seen, I've seen this happen to ministers. There's a, there's a particular man that I can, that I can think of that he was a, he was a minister of the gospel for many, many years. And he got to a point, he got to a point where he'd seen some, he'd seen some problems in his church. He'd had some issues with, with fellow ministers and things of that nature. And, and he got, he began to get despondent over this. And you could tell in his ministry that at times when he got up to preach that he was struggling. I, I recall one night sitting in, sitting in his service that 
it was it was clear that he hadn't he hadn't gotten anything new from God and I'm I'm not saying you have to have something fresh and new every time you every time you step into the pulpit I've reused messages I've reused messages from other people and I've given them credit occasionally <laughs> I did it one night in here and I, I I gave credit to the minister that I got it from but that night this particular minister got up and he recycled a message that we had all heard probably 30 years ago. And don't get me wrong, the content was great and he delivered it well and it was a good message. And we were blessed by it. I was blessed for listening to it. But it was clear that he was not ministering from a place of overflow. And if you find yourself in that position... Again, anytime, anytime I say something like this, I'm not out to condemn anyone. That's not my job. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit does come to bring conviction to us. And so if you find yourself convicted, there's a place of repentance. You don't, don't, don't keep going that direction. So, He made His grace abound to us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. People say, well, you never know what God's going to do. Really? Read the book. Seriously. If you want to know what God's going to do, open the book. I I heard another minister say, sometimes I'll quote these things and I don't remember where I got them, so... (laughs) You know, they've become, they've become part of my spirit. They've become a rhema word to me. But he says, if you want to hear the voice of God, open the book. <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear God speak out loud, read out loud. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that God won't speak to you. As I said, when I, when I began putting together this series, when I said, Lord, what do I need to do next? I heard the voice of God in my, in my spirit. I'm not talking about an audible voice. I was sitting in the middle of the call center. He wasn't, God wasn't going to interrupt my work day, although he's welcome to do so. But I was at work. I wasn't getting paid to hear from God right then. And God is a gentleman. And so he spoke to me in my spirit and I grabbed my pen and I wrote it down. So you'll hear from God that way. But if you want to know the will of God, open the book in here. He made known to us the mystery of his will. One of the ways he did that was through these, through these, uh, letters that were written to the churches. Mark Hankins, this one I do know where I got it from. Mark Hankins says this. He says that the word was spoken so it could be written. And it was written so that now it could be spoken. And when God's words enter your mouth and become your words, I preached about this a while back. God's words become your words. When that happens, We call that mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, and it brings life to your life. Praise God. As Paul Harvey would say, page two. (laughs) Hallelujah. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. God didn't have to ask somebody else what he was going to do. 
This was planned. This is why Jesus is called the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God knew what Adam and Eve were going to do. He didn't have to He didn't have to come up with a plan B. Now, obviously God's perfect will God's perfect will would have been for them to for Adam to kick Satan out of his garden. But that didn't happen. And God knew because he is all-knowing, because he is omniscient and omnipotent, he knew before the foundation of the world that this was going to happen. And so, before the foundation of the world, he had a plan in place. To his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. Now, here's another in him thing. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. <laughs> we talked about this last month when we're that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. And if sons, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So what is what is that inheritance? We will probably come back to Ephesians. We still have just a little bit of time. But go ahead and flip back a couple of pages and go back to Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. I've mentioned, I've mentioned this before. Several months ago, back in January of this year, Melanie and I went to Fort Worth, as we have now done. We've done this now two years in a row. And Lord willing... We'll continue to do this till Jesus comes back. But we, we started going down to Fort Worth in January for Kenneth Copeland's Minister's Conference. And the word of the Lord that kept coming out during that conference kept getting said over and over. One minister after another just kept repeating this. And the word that kept being said was, get your house in order. And we took it seriously. That That means several things. That means... Spiritually, that meant physically, there's some things that we still have yet to do, but we've made some, made significant progress toward getting our house in order, toward getting the things that need to be done physically done. But one thing that I began to do, and this was at the recommendation of my father, was I began to put up Bible verses all over the house. I, I started printing these things out, and you open the bathroom door, and there's John 10, 10. You look at the kitchen cabinet and there's Deuteronomy 8 where it says that he will command the blessing. I, that verse just, I, that verse just jumped out at me. Rather, it's Deuteronomy 28, excuse me, where he's talking about the blessings that will come upon those who hear and obey the word. But one of those things is that he will command the blessing. That means this is not optional. That means the blessing is a must. If you love me, keep my commandments, Jesus says. If you love me, abide in my love and be blessed. So, one of those verses that is up in several places, including the, including the shower. <laughs> you look up at the, look up at the wall while you're taking a shower and this verse jumps out at you. Verse 13, Galatians 3.13. Christ has, 
Again, past tense, done deal, once and for all. Christ has redeemed us from what? From the curse of the law, having become, or the old King James says, having been made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why? Why did Jesus come? Why did he become a curse for us? I, again, I was talking to dad about this. Why did he come? You ask one, do a, do a family feud style poll and ask 100 believers, why did Jesus come? And most of them are going to say that he came to save me from my sins, that he came to keep me from going to hell. He came so I wouldn't have to go to hell. He came to take on my punishment. He came to be the propitiation for my sins. They may or may not know the term propitiation, but that's to, to be my substitute. And those are all vital. Those are all important. But here's why he came. We tie this back in, as we said, with John 10.10. I have come that they might have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Galatians 3.14. So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This is why he came. And this is who we are. I didn't lose track of what we're talking about here. We're talking about who are you? I am accepted in the beloved. I am a child of God. I am the seed of Abraham. We talked, we talked about this. We talked about this last month, but it bears repeating. So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Verse 16, he says, Now to Abraham and to his seed, capital S in many Bibles, including mine, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. Now then, jump on down to verse 29. If you are Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, we went on from there last month into chapter 4 where he talks about being heirs according to the promise and growing up into that. That means we get the inheritance. If you're an heir of somebody, when they die, you get their stuff. Well, Jesus died to give you God's stuff. And then, and then... Follow me on this. He died to put that in, to put that will into effect. But then says over in John that he ever lives to make intercession for us. He, what does that mean? That means that he died to put that will into effect, but now he lives to enforce that will. We t- we talked about this a little a little while back, but you may have run into this where somebody somebody wrote a will and they said, here's what I want to happen to my stuff. I want this person to get this. I want this person to get this. I want, th- I want so much to go to this thing and so much to go to that thing. But then somebody comes along, maybe, maybe somebody who thought they were going to be an heir and got cut out and they, they decide to fight this and they say, well, I, 
I did thus and such for this person. I should get something. And they decide they know better than what the person's will was. Well, Jesus didn't leave that as an option. He died to put it, to put the will of God into effect. And now he lives to enforce that will. Now, so then we are Christ's, we are Abraham's seed. Go ahead and go back to Ephesians. I have just, just a few minutes. Because we said this, verse 11, In him also we have obtained an inheritance. We've been made heirs of the Father, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Now, thus far, this sounds like, well, God chose who he wanted, and if God didn't choose me, I'm out of luck. That's not what the word says. And I'll show you. Next verse. Verse 13. This is our part. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We'll we'll deal more with that in in coming months because that's another thing that we are. We are sealed. His Holy Spirit, the Song of Solomon says, set me as a seal upon your heart. This is what has happened with us. Our spirits have been marked. They've been sealed with his, his stamp of approval. When somebody doesn't like you, when somebody, when the enemy comes against you, again, you go back to what I said. You said, no, I've been chosen. I'm accepted in the beloved. I have the seal of the Holy Spirit upon my heart. This is, this is good news. And th- this is what, well, be square, square with you. This is why people don't want to be preached to. That because they've been preached, they've heard bad news all their life. They've heard, you're a mess, you're no good, you're unworthy, you've done this, you've done that. I was, I was talking about another gentleman that I'm acquainted with who's a former minister, a former pastor. And he got chicked, he got kicked out of his church after he had a divorce. Now I'm not saying he should have gotten a divorce. I don't know the situation. I wasn't there. But somebody decided they knew better than God. They decided that the gifts of call, gifts and callings of God actually were with, actually could be repented of. Even though the scripture tells me the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Means when God chooses you, He doesn't change His mind. It doesn't matter what you did, He didn't change His mind. But this is, this is, this is the good news, the gospel of our salvation. That, The, the simple good news is this, that Jesus loves you, that Jesus died for you, that while you were yet dead in your trespasses and sins, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the good news of the gospel. To take it a step further, not only did he die, but he rose again, and because he's alive, we're alive in him. Now, It is it is nine o'clock, so I'm out of time. We will we will take this up next month and we'll see more of 
who we are in him and who he is in us. Let me pray over you and we'll, we'll get you out of here, okay? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Mm. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you loved us so much that you came and you died for us. But not only did you die for us, you ever lived to make intercession for us. And we thank you for that so much, Jesus. Father, we thank you for that mercy and that grace that has abounded to us. Grace that is greater than all our sins. We thank you for it. Lord, I thank you that every need, spirit, soul, and body, physical, financial, and relational, every need is met in accordance with your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We praise you for it in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.